Welcome to Your Torah, a 36-week journey into the world of the 63 books of the Mishnah, 18 minutes at a time. A project of Jofa UK, designed as a special invitation to engage in Torah and make it yours. This episode of Your Torah is sponsored by Lauren and Neil Hamburger. My name is Leah Sarna. I live in the Washington Heights neighborhood of New York City, and I study Torah full-time at Yeshivat Maharat. This episode is going to be an introduction to the first order of the Mishnah, Seder Zeraim. But before we get there, I want to say a few words about how I fell in love with the Mishnah. When I was in third grade, I was a member of a clique, and we spent Shabbat afternoons up to no good, excluding people and generally being pretty mean. So my friend's dad decided that we should do something better with our time. And he started teaching us Mishnah on Shabbat afternoons between Mincha and Mariv. This went on probably for the next three years or so, until we started preparing for our own bat mitzvahs. But I remember so vividly the five or six of us sitting in the dark Beit Midrash of my synagogue, learning Mishnah together. And I've been learning Mishnah pretty much ever since. For my wedding this past August, I completed a multi-year study of the whole Mishnah at my kala's tish. And that was very, very special. So let's begin with a general word about the organization of the Mishnah. The Mishnah is organized into six different orders. In Hebrew, we call each order a seder, or sedarim, for plural. The acronym for these six sedarim is zman nakat. The zayin is for zraim, an order about seeds. Mem is for moed in order about holidays. The first nun is for nashim, in order about family relationships. The second nun is for nizikin, in order about damage laws. The kuf is for kochin, in order about holy things, like sacrifices and operations of the temple. And lastly, the tet is for tarot, in order about purity and impurity. But the words zman nakat also mean took the time. Each order has within it a whole series of different tractates, organized around a few central themes. I'm just going to speak quickly about themes of property ownership and community. Zraim is, of course, about seeds. That's what the word Zraim means, and also about land. Secular society has a lot of different ideas about property ownership. John Locke, a 17th century English philosopher, writes in chapter 5 of the Second Treatise on Civil Government, Whatsoever then he removes out of the state that nature hath provided, and left it in, he hath mixed his labor with, and joined to it something that is his own, and thereby makes it his property, it being by him removed from the common state nature hath placed it in. It hath, by this labor, something annexed to it, that excludes the common right of other men. Locke argues that, theoretically, land becomes yours through labor. When you put work into something, you come to own it. The Torah and the Mishnayot in our Seder do not see it that way. The psalmist writes, La Hashem ha'aretz umlo'ah, To God is the earth and all that fills it. Land and food are not yours to do what you wish with them. Instead, you need to tithe. You need to leave a corner of your field for the poor. You need to leave your field unsown in the sabbatical year. You may not crossbreed animals and plants. 
You need to recite blessings and give thanks for what you consume. You need to bring your first fruits to the temple, etc., etc., etc. The land is not yours. You are not free to do with it as you like. Instead, here are many long and complicated rules that govern how you treat the land. And through your treatment of the land, other people, and also the Almighty. This all gives way to a totally different orientation towards charity. We typically might think, when I give charity, I am giving of my property to someone else. But when we understand that only God truly owns, then we see that charity is just the distribution of what is rightly due to others. Charity is owed, not given. Another major theme in this order of Mishnayot is community. Jews love sharing food. We share food at Kiddush in Shul, at Shabbat meals, at joyous life cycle events like weddings and Brit Milah, and also as a way of caring for others in times of sickness and death. The tractates in this order command us to bring a tithe to food to Jerusalem and enjoy it there in community. They command us to share of our food with the poor, with the priests, and with the Levites. And they also deal with some tough questions. What happens when your neighbors don't keep the strict rules pertaining to food? Can you still be in community with people who aren't as careful as you are? In Tractate Demai, the Mishnah asks, Can you eat in their homes? In Tractate Shavit, the Mishnah asks, Can they borrow my utensils? In Tractate Maiser Shani, the Mishnah asks, If some of my children are ritually pure and some are ritually impure, can they all drink together? These kinds of questions pop up all over this Seder of the Mishnah, and I think you will find that the answers are more complex than you might imagine. The rules regarding food are serious. The penalty of breaking them is sometimes even a death sentence. But we also want Jews and Jewish families to be able to live together in community, and so the Mishnah has mechanisms to make that possible. Those are just two of the major themes addressed throughout Seder's Raim. Let's now turn to a rundown of the 11 tractates in this order. One important thing to note is that within the other five orders of the Mishnah, the tractates are for the most part organized by length. The first tractates are the longest, the last ones are the shortest. That doesn't really make for a nice thematic flow within each order. Zraim, the first order of the Mishnah, also does not follow that pattern. In fact, a fragment found in the Cairo Geniza suggests that the organization of Zerayim used to be different from what we have before us today. But that didn't follow the organizational pattern of the other orders either. Scholars theorize that the tractates at the beginning of Zerayim were put there simply because they were the most widely studied. But basically, we don't really know what accounts for the organization we find in Zerayim today. So here's a rundown. The whole Mishnah begins with tractate Brachot. This tractate, as you will hear from my mother in the next episode of this podcast, deals with prayer broadly construed, but I think its connection to the rest of the order is that it requires us to give thanks for what we eat off of the land. Then we turn to tractate Paya, about leaving a corner of your field unharvested so the poor can come and collect grain. This tractate also includes other rules about charity and care for the poor. Following Paya, we turn to Demai, Produce in the land of Israel is not to be eaten until all tithes have been taken. Tractate Demai deals with the problem of, what if I don't know whether tithes have been taken or not? From there, we move on to Kilayim. The Torah has a number of different prohibitions regarding mixing different kinds of plants within one field. This tractate describes those prohibitions and how to avoid them. 
Tractate Shavi comes next, with rules pertaining to the Shemitah year, the sabbatical year, in which we let the fields lay fallow. The next four tractates have to do with giving portions of your produce to others. Trumot is about giving to the Kohanim, the priests. Maserot is about tithing to the Levites and the poor. Maser Sheni is about the tithe that needs to be brought to Jerusalem and consumed there in a state of purity. Tractate Chala is about giving a portion of your bread dough to the priest. This is where the term Chala, like the bread we eat on Shabbat, comes from. The second to last tractate is Masachet Orla, which talks about the prohibition of picking fruit off of fruit trees in the first three years since planting them. Tractate Bikurim is a very beautiful tractate at the very end of Seder's Ra'im, and it describes the process of bringing the first fruits to the temple. Now, perhaps you were listening to this list and saying to yourself, my, that doesn't sound interesting at all. Well, first of all, if you feel that way, you probably don't live in Israel. For a long time, when Jews were primarily living in the exile, these rules were not especially applicable. And that probably accounts for why the Babylonian Talmud doesn't have much to say about these subjects. However, with Zionism and return to the land in our day, a lot of these rules are actually applicable. Fruits and vegetables that are grown in Israel need to be tithed today. We observe the sabbatical year in Israel today. And doing that with a modern economy has become very complicated. Trying to figure out how to do that has us returning very seriously to a lot of the rules and ideas put forward in this seder. Because if you're a farmer in Israel, which so many people are, you need to take care to make sure that your fields don't contain forbidden mixtures, that corners of them are left for the poor, and that you observe the Shemitah, the sabbatical year, appropriately. Additionally, for those of us living outside of the land of Israel, we still take challah when we bake bread in our homes. We still take off a piece and burn it or, or dispose of it appropriately as a remembrance for temple times and for the obligation to give of our bread to the priests. And of course, tractate brachot is in some ways one of the most relevant in our daily lives of all of the pieces of the Mishnah because it describes the blessings that we make and the prayers that we say. One important principle in Mishnah study is this. The Mishnah pretends to be dry and legal, but you have to remember that this was a code memorized and organized and recited by heart by Jews for generations. My father, as a child, earned his allowance by reciting whole chapters of the Mishnah by heart to Professor Shaul Lieberman, a Torah giant and a Talmud professor at the Jewish Theological Seminary. You have to have some faith in the wisdom of generations. When you study these arcane laws, imagine what kind of world they're trying to build, what kind of sensitivities they are trying to imbue in those who keep them, what kind of thoughtfulness they are suggesting we exercise as we consider our property, our sustenance, our community, and our very existence on this earth. Happy learning! This episode of Your Torah is brought to you by Jofa UK, in collaboration with women from around the world who all share a passion for Torah study. If you are enjoying Your Torah, consider sponsoring an episode. Find out more by visiting